Hello everyone. I hope you're having a good time. I hope you're safe and healthy and in your own houses. This is Sanika and you're listening to my very own podcast. It's called Hype Talk where I'm going to be talking about the shows and movies that I absolutely love and that most of us have already watched. Now, most of these shows and movies are not recent or ongoing, but they've had a huge influence on me for various reasons. some of which i'm going to mention in this podcast so it's basically just revisiting the same feelings and emotions that we all have been through when we watched the particular show for the first time remember that the show isn't a review platform of any sorts where i tell you if you should or shouldn't watch the show because i'm not a critic this is rather a discussion or an expression of love and respect towards all the shows and movies that i'm going to be talking about Also if you haven't watched the show yet I am going to have to warn you about the spoilers. The very first show that I'm going to talk about is the super hyped HBO drama which first aired on television in April 2011 and ended in April 2019 which was more than a year ago. The show has won more than 50 awards in 8 years and has broken a lot of records. That's right. I am talking about Game of Thrones, one of the best melodrama shows television has to offer. Before I start ranting about the good and bad things about the show, I must tell you all, when I say I'm going to talk about Game of Thrones, I mean the show and not the books. I haven't read even one of the books yet. I plan to, but I haven't. I even started one a few months ago, but it's just too long to focus on anything else once you start reading the game of thrones the reason i chose to talk about game of thrones on this podcast is because it's one of the most extreme fantasies of all times the show takes you through all the extremes of love hate loyalty sacrifices and vengeance more than anything it's one of those stories where you don't want to believe what's happening is real because it's just so cruel but somehow you're tricked into believing the opposite i watched the show much later after the first season premiered on television but i watched it before the finale so i had to unfortunately witness the horror of not knowing an end to game of thrones or at least that was what i thought turns out things were better without the finale but we'll get to that later we'll get to the unfairness and the cruelty of the finale with valid explanations later before that today we're going to talk about the first four seasons of game of thrones the characters we've all loved over all these years and some of the most iconic scenes battles and obviously deaths in the first four seasons so the show not surprisingly enough starts with a death the hand of the king john arryn accidentally dies or was murdered in king's landing one of my favorite parts in the first season itself has to be when the king tra- the king travels to winterfell it just gives us a rough idea of the nature of all of these characters the first episode also introduces us to the starks and we are tricked into believing that ned stark is the protagonist of the show and he's this person with the perfect family the perfect children and has a happy life until you get introduced to Jon Snow who seems to be the mistake Ned Stark made years ago 
whereas Robert Baratheon is visibly a very chilled out person who looks like he's too stupid and is very occupied with lots of other things except being a good king. And in that instant, you ask yourself, why isn't Ned Stark the king? Because he seems much more wiser and like a well-suited king. Another character that immediately draws your attention is the queen. She's one of those people who just demand respect from their conduct. It's like when she enters the room, all of the eyes instantly turn to her. When I saw Cersei for the first time, I thought she's the one who's keeping the king sane. She's the wise one and the perfect queen who only wishes good for her kingdom and who wants to protect the people. But the amount of pain and grief that woman has put everyone through is just above me. But anyway, we're talking about first impressions and introductions. So let's leave love and hate for later. Now, these are some of the main characters from the West and the North. There's also a plot from the East, where there's this cautious princess who has no parents but an abusive brother and who wants to go home to the West. One of the most amazing things about Game of Thrones is the story and the pace at which everything keeps changing every few episodes. Every episode. And that's what makes the show so gripping and exciting. But when you turn to look back at the story from much further, it's kind of hard to keep track of how everything happened and in what order. Also, I'm a huge fan of the direction and the screenplay of the show. They have written these iconic scenes with so much of effort and understanding of the place every character is coming from. One of such wonderful scenes is the first conversation between Tyrion Lannister and Jon Snow. It's a very small scene, but it portrays how Jon being a bastard and Tyrion being the queen's brother come from an equal place of being a disappointment in everyone's eyes. We all know what follows after Ned Stark goes to the north on the orders of his king and becomes the hand of the king. This is where two spies of Westeros, the little finger and spider come in the picture. So, when Ned confronts Cersei about revealing their little ancestress secret to the king, he practically declares war against the Lannisters. And conventionally, it's acceptable to digest the fact that a good man doesn't have a lot of friends in the real world. So, naturally, we think, okay, now there will be a little clash among the Hand and the Queen, which has to be resolved by one of them backing off. And... Looking at Cersei, Ned's chances of backing off were much greater. But Game of Thrones truly convinced me that it wasn't any other ordinary show based on conventional predictions in the ninth episode of the first season when the little evil Joffrey beheads Ned Stark in front of the whole city. It's a horrible, horrible thing to watch, but it's also this holy shit moment of truth for the first time on the show. The first season closes on the glorious note of an unharmed Daenerys sitting in her husband's pyre with three baby dragons. That was one of the eight epic season closings on Game of Thrones and it was every second worth it. Also, once you watch the first season and you know who the good guys and the bad guys are, the story starts to become simpler in a way because you know who you want to see succeed, right? So, until the first season, we get to know it's the Starks in the North versus the Lannisters in the West. 
along with the potential enemy who just got three dragons and the army of the dead is a whole another territory behind the wall now considering these four sides the story seems pretty dense until it gets doubled in the next season which means now we're dealing with approximately eight different plots instead of four two of the new plots being robert's brothers one of them claims the throne because he's the next in line as Joffrey was supposedly born of incest and the other one has the support of a lot of commoners and a strong alliance with the Tyrells and believes that he can be a better king than Stannis or Joffrey. Another new plot is on Pike also known as the Iron Islands where Theon Greyjoy turns out to be a traitor ass and sides with his father. I was so mad okay. But anyway, Rob Stark, being the eldest son, takes charge and marches towards the west with all of the northern men. Rob Stark was truly one of my most favorite male characters on the show. He was fierce, he was brave, clever, and wise. And that one moment when he gets Jamie Lannister as a captive, once again you fall prey to the writings and believe that even if Ned is no more, Rob Stark is just as good. Until he begins to lose when the mother and Catelyn Stark decides to... I really loved that dynamic. I don't know why. It just states how you hate certain people just because you have the knowledge of their parentage or their good and bad deeds. And I wish things would pan out differently and Tywin would later discover that the little girl who was right under his nose all this while was the Stark daughter who would have easily been of a great advantage to negotiate and get his son back from the Starks. I mean, he would have been devastated to know that. But from the second season, it's just so amazing to see Arya evolve into someone so much stronger, definitely stronger than her elder sister. And she's coming from a place of extreme vengeance. I mean, she's making a list of people she's going to kill. And what's her age? 11? 12? It's astonishing to see the growth of that character through every season. And not just Arya. Another one of the many significant character growths on the show was Daenerys. As she steps in the prosperous city of Karth, at this point she is fairly intimidating, okay, with the dragons and the army, but now she doesn't have ships to cross the narrow sea. But she also, at this point she also has this constant urge to prove everyone that she's powerful. It's this newfound power, right? She was like an abused teenager who had nothing and who had no hope and who just wanted to go home and now suddenly she's a widow and all she can do all she can see is now she wants to become the queen of the seven kingdoms and go back home and as we know the dragons are snatched away for a little while and she turns into this scared te- abused teenager again who seems harmless when danny enters the house of undying in karth that's one of my favorite scenes when she's magically shown everything that she was ever desired she has ever desired but she finally chooses what she is there for it's so beautifully portrayed that danny is someone who is focused and who knows perfectly well what she wants and how she'll get it the most disturbing plot in season two was in winterfell when theon greyjoy betrays the trust of the starks just so he could gain a sense of respect from his father and his sister. 
for a moment i really believed that those two burnt bodies were of bran and rickon stark because now is just prone to good people being killed mercilessly on the show i don't know why i said that i wasn't ready for, ready to see that at all but theon pays for what he does so that part is sealed actually when you come to think of it everyone pays for their deeds that's a life lesson to learn from the show but anyway season 2 introduces us to some really fascinating females like yara theon's sister Melisandre, the Red Priestess, who gave birth to a shadowy monster-like creature, who just flies and gently then then kills him. She pissed me off until season five. Then onwards, I have my own reasons. And Marjorie Durell, who was the first, who was first married to Renly, but then forms an alliance with the Lannisters to marry Joffrey. Again, one of my most favorite manipulative people on the show. I loved everything about that woman. She was kind. She was compassionate, and she didn't lack ambition at all. Released Jamie Lannister in exchange for Sansa and Arya. Again, I was so mad. Another plot moves forward with Arya as she escapes King's Landing and reaches Harrenhal. This is when Arya works as a cupbearer for Tywin Lannister. And as cruel and political as he can be, this was a slightly softer Tywin. The ninth episode of season two is the Battle of Blackwater Bay, the one where Tyrion gets wounded and has like a brave scar, brave-looking scar. A very interesting scene in the battle is one where Cersei is portrayed as the scared mother who is afraid to lose her sons after she's lost a daughter. I mean, she gets shipped off. The daughter gets shipped off. It's so nice to see Cersei scared, right? I mean. She's done all of these mean things from the very beginning, and but also she's very feisty and she's never scared of the consequences or she never cared about the consequences her actions might cause, and this is the first time we see Cersei Lannister losing it. Tyrion appears to be the only sane Lannister from the beginning because not only he hates his sister but he plots against her for the good of the city. Talking about Lannisters, Jaime has a very fierce fighting spirit image, and even if he's in love with his sister and done all of these horrible things, I don't know why it's just so sad to see him tied up and struggling like that. I don't know if it's his looks or anything, but it's just it's sad. A very interesting turn of events occurs north of the Wall, where Jon Snow meets a wildling woman named Egret and is unable to kill her. Ygritte is witty. She's brave. She's smarter. Who, she's definitely smarter than John, who doesn't get killed and takes John as a captive to the Wildling camp. But with John and half hand gone, the rest of the Watchers face a very perilous situation. The season closes on a rather horrid note, where Samuel Tarly. Again, we'll talk about Tarly later. Is surrounded by the White Walkers, and he just watches them being terrified. That's how season two closes. Season three plays a huge role in taking the story forward and turning and twisting things a lot. It has some of the most emotionally consuming scenes on the show, including the Red Wedding. As I've said before, Rob Stark was one of my favorite characters, and he was going the right way. until his mother frees Jamie Lannister Theon betrays him and on top of that he falls for a medic who 
who is from Volantis and who isn't the one he's promised to. And that just makes him weaker in a sense because marrying a free daughter would have proved to be a fair alliance. But somewhere we just skip the details, you know, and think that, okay, things aren't so bad and it will get better. And then there's this wedding feast and the reigns of Castamere starts playing and Catelyn checks this armor suit below Roose Bolton's sleeve and gives him a look, gets up and screams, Rob. And that's just, you just skip a heartbeat. I don't know if you did, I definitely did. And there's this dreadful massacre and then it all starts hitting you from the beginning. How and what went wrong? And you should have seen this coming. And there's this shot where Roose Bolton stabs Rob Stark and says, the Lannisters send their regards. And you're like, how did I miss this? How did I not see this coming? And why did I put my hopes up about this man? And why did I think he was going to live? It's so, it's so horrible. The whole experience of going through it and watching Catelyn suffering from the death of her husband, her presumably dead youngest sons, and knowing nothing about her daughters being so brutally murdered it just leaves you can it's just how unfair the show is and how unfair life can be i'm scarred because of the red wedding it's dreadful and if there's anything more disturbing than the red wedding it's the fact that Arya did not get to meet her brother and her mother for the last freaking time she was so close i mean she was almost there and you know that if she had been any more closer, she would have been a victim of the massacre. But still somehow you wish she could at least see them for the last time because this happens more than once, right? This also happens once when she is near uh, River Run, I think. Because And because this happens more than once, she's so close and she doesn't get to them in time. That's one of the reasons why she has this grim outlook towards everything that follows but it only makes her stronger danny on the other hand appears to be getting stronger and her dragons are getting bigger now she has ships and she f- frees the slave army of astapor and then she continues freeing the slaves of yunkai bran stark finally meets the reed siblings who were looking for him since a very long time apparently he learns from georgian who is actually who's also a walk that bran is a walk which explains that the weird dreams he had weren't really dreams but those were visions about the things that have either happened in the past or were going to happen in the future other than the red wedding there was another wedding that happens in the westeros which was totally unexpected where Sansa weds Tyrion Lannister. Not that I was really expecting anything from the show anymore, but this was really unexpected. Because when Marjorie says that Sansa could marry Loras, that's when you have a little ray of hope that, okay, something nice might happen to Sansa, but nope. In this season, we see Jamie Lannister at the most vulnerable stage he has ever been. He loses his sword hand to a filthy Bolton Bannerman and suddenly the thing that made him the man he was is taken away from him 
and for some reason it's hard to see him in so much of pain despite all of the horrible things that he's done as i said before it's really painful losing a part of yourself it's just plain torture the fourth season of game of thrones is also known for some of the horrifying deaths and most crucial alliances trials and face offs my most favorite part of the season has to be joffrey's death scene and i have to say i saw it coming but not like this this is grand and i mean dying at your own wedding feast isn't that common is it but now that joffrey's dead a lot of things that's around him suddenly have to change so we see everyone coming from a different state of mind and a different perspective but regardless to say there are only a few people who aren't happy about his death like his parents which was obvious uh Cersei is filled with vengeance at this point but also somewhere i think she would have been a little relieved because joffrey wasn't exactly in her control so when she had imagined he would be the king she always thought she would reign through him but that was not the case at all Tommen on the other hand was under the huge influence of his mother as of now so if Tommen had to be the king Cersei would actually accomplish her good old dream of ruling nevertheless she accuses her brother Tyrion of poisoning her son which isn't so strange as they have a hate hate relationship but the trial has to be one of the finest scenes of the season i mean you see all these people gathered and it's his family we're talking about accusing him of his own nephew's murder and there's Oberyn Martell who has some bad blood with the Lannisters ready to use to fight for Tyrion fun fact about this Oberyn Martell uh, Pedro Pascal plays Oberyn Martell in the fourth season of Game of Thrones and before i watched Game of Thrones uh two weeks ago i watched Narcos and i was already familiar with pedro pascal and he's so versatile and i loved him in narcos and i watched the promo of the fourth season i was very particular about watching promos and like inside the episodes on youtube you should go watch them they're really amazing but yeah i i really have this habit of drifting off which is why i had a script but it didn't turn out well so now i'm just now just you just have to bear with the drifting off Okay so where is he? Yeah Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal is a very versatile actor and I love him. And he dies in the fourth season and let's not talk about the gross death that is given to him in the books and in the show but let's talk about the work that he has done. He was so amazing from start to end. He has carried this perfect carried this perfect accent of his and the costume merges so well and his sister and the donish vibe is just so amazing i love season 4 because pedro pascal is in it i was very happy seeing him on the show i wanted him on the show i wanted him to be a huge part of the storyline but i was sad that he wasn't but we all know what follows next the death of the two most evil people on the show takes place in the same season the second person who gets brutally killed can you sense my happiness through the tone yeah who gets brutally killed by his own son by three arrows from a crossbow i won't lie i was happy i was so happy to see 
Tywin Lannister die defenseless because the only thing that came to my mind was Rob Stark and his unborn child, his wife and his mother were all killed defenseless. Arya Stark, who was traveling with the Hound, somehow finds herself in a similar situation, so close to her sister in the Vale, and yet fate tears them apart. Also, this is the last season where you see Arya looking for any sense of protection or, you know, getting in touch with her family. After this, she sails to Bravos and starts looking for vengeance, starts looking for multiple things. One of them is vengeance. So she starts looking for people to kill. Like she has this list and it just goes on and on and on. And boy, she does her job. But let's not spill any tea until we absolutely have to. John's character in the fourth season is a lot developed than before. He's composed. He knows what, which, whose side is on. And he's on. Sorry about that. However, he cannot really trust his own brothers because they think he betrayed him. And rightly so. We also lose Egret this season. And that's one of the... One more of my favorite characters being killed. Daenerys is getting stronger and her dragons are getting fiercer and more dreadful by the day. Now she has ships, she has an army and three middle-aged dragons. So at this point, you're just waiting for her to make the move to west because somewhere she's doing all of these kind things, freeing slaves and winning people, whereas Westeros needs some kindness right now. And if, like, everything just fits to pieces if Danny decides to march west, but only if it was so simple. I can go on and on and on about what happens next and how, and the time won't be enough. So if you like what you just heard, you can reach me on any of my social media handles and let me know. Thank you for listening to me until the end, and to continue listening what happens next. Stay tuned to the details.